Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 24 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 24 of the WrestleSubtopia Network officially draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW. Finally, calm down and simmer for a few days but next week promises to be even more busier with WWE Presents The Horror Show at Extreme Rules. AWS Fight for the Fallen and NXT has the fallout from two weeks of the Great American Bash and have some special shows dropping next week for your listening pleasure as we celebrate 25 weeks of WrestleSubtopia. Many moments have been created, many guests have dropped by, and I appreciate your support every step of the way. And I ask for your patience. I ask for your guidance. I ask for all of your energy to be bestowed upon me right now because last night's episode of SmackDown on Fox was easily, and I can count maybe a Raw show right before the pandemic hit, and maybe a couple of SmackDowns in between, but this was by far the worst show I've seen in 2020 from WWE. Point blank, period. It's taken me a lot to come here and try to scrap together a review for you. The one week when fireworks and firecrackers would be welcome to interrupt me during this podcast. They're nowhere to be heard or found. So here I am trying to do a public service for you, the loyal listeners out there who've been ride or die since day one, and I love and appreciate every last one of you. But here I am trying to help you get through this SmackDown. (sighs) All right, SmackDown began with Miz TV, with Miz and Morrison interviewing Jeff Hardy. We had a very long video package recapping Jeff Hardy's trials and tribulations with alcoholism and Seamus goading him to drinking last week, which did not happen, his loss of backlash. And now here we are, Miz and Morrison trying to goad him once again into falling into the depths of temptation, courtesy of Seamus. And Jeff Hardy says, I'm here as a testament to my strength and my sobriety and to offer inspiration to those fighting their addictions every day. Because as we all know, it's an ongoing battle every single day. And if he can provide some inspiration, hope to them, then he's done his job and he's on his redemption track. And the only way to get for redemption is to get through this feud with Seamus. And Miz and Morrison are Faux touched by his words and his wisdom, and they know well the best way to confront Seamus and your demons is to have a bar fight at Extreme Rules. So Hardy says, Is it a two on one handicap match? Me against Seamus and my alcoholism, it's on. I can fight both at the same time. It won't break me, it won't wear me down. And he says, Which one of you have to fight? Because I'm not gonna let you talk smack to my face, and I can't punch you in the face. And with that, he attacked. Miz, then Morrison, which set up Miz versus Hardy after the break. And this was fine, but it went way too long. Miz and Morrison, as always, they provide great comic relief, but there is nothing comedic about Jeff Hardy and his addiction. There's nothing funny about it. I find no humor in it, and I'm not a fan of his feud with Sheamus. That will culminate in a bar fight at Extreme Rules. It should be a decent brawl, but I just cannot 
emotionally care about this feud that rubs me the wrong way because sobriety, as I've mentioned on numerous occasions, is nothing to be trifled with. It is an ongoing struggle and battle every single day. Every day, every week, every month, every year is a victory in of itself. And Jeff is very early in that recovery from alcoholism. And it's great to see him fight back from injuries and his personal demons to have this redemption story and WWE to wrap up his career, but it still does not make this story any good. It's tacky, it's lame, and at the end of the day, it's just a tedious chore to watch. And his match against Miz was okay. Hardy dominated early, had the visual pin when he hit. The twist of fate on Miz was going for the Swanton Bomb until Morrison moved Miz out of the way, which allowed Hardy to do a crossbody onto both men on the outside, which led to a break. The match continued, Miz is in control, doing his worst Daniel Bryan impersonation with the kicks and knees, which looked terrible, even though I appreciated John Morrison doing the hey, hey, ho, ho chants. Every time Miz did a strike, that was adorable. The end came when Hardy hit another twist of fate on The Miz and Sheamus appeared on the screen with, I'm assuming a glass of Guinness, which is very appropriate for the Irish. And he is trying to go Jeff Hardy once again to no avail as Miz tried to roll up Jeff Hardy only for Hardy to counter with another roll up for the one, two, three as Sheamus has egg on his face for the second week in a row from his home via Zoom. Match was okay. This feud, once again, does nothing for me. Hopefully, it will end at the Horror Show at Extreme Rules during their bar fight so Hardy and Sheamus can both move on to something better and that plays into their strengths as performers because this isn't it. And in the lone, well, I will take that back. In one of the two bright spots of the evening, we had Sasha Banks and Bayley, the reigning defending women's world tag team champions, and Bayley, the reigning defending women's champion on the SmackDown side of things, facing Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I thought the action was well worked for the most part. Bayley and Sasha are a great tag team. I love Nikki Cross's fire and energy. She is absolutely adorable and crazy at the same time. And I do believe that Bayley and Nikki Cross are gonna have the match they were supposed to have last summer at Extreme Rules for the SmackDown. SmackDown Women's Championship because Nikki is not going to be playing the shades of great character who should or shouldn't trust Alexa Bliss. She's a fully realized baby face, absolutely over as a crazy person with the heart of gold and Bailey. For me, she is one of the best heels in the business right now. She's locked in and they're going to have a sneaky good match. I do predict at Extreme Rules next Sunday on the WWE Network. The finish of the match came when Sasha Banks saved Bailey from a great swinging net breaker from Cross to Bailey, and Alexa Bliss tried to pull Sasha out of the ring only for Sasha to throw Alexa Bliss into the barricade. That distraction gave Nikki Cross a chance to drop kick Sasha on the floor before Bailey gets the leverage pin with a foot on the rope for good measure as she pins her opponent heading into extreme rules and as I predict and suspect Nikki and Bailey are going to have a very good match. Could be a show stealer if they're given the time to shine. And they continue to be a beacon of light in the women's division as all four continue to make me happy on a weekly basis, especially Bailey, Sasha, and Nikki, who are carrying things on the SmackDown side of things. And then this show nosedived because we had a karaoke showcase segment with Jay Uso trying his best to be a great host. Did quite well. We had Lacey Evans singing Be My Baby Tonight by Jeff Jarrett and Road Dogg. 
we had Dana Brooks singing the Honky Tonk Man's theme song. We had Tamina doing The Game by Motorhead, Triple H's theme song. And we had Naomi doing American Dream, courtesy of the late great Dusty Rhodes. Everyone sucked, intentionally or otherwise, except Naomi, who is always a shining example of being awesome. She added sauce and spice to the American Dreams theme song, gave us some soul, and she looked great. She gave a little dance, and she just had that personality that you simply cannot stop watching. And I keep thinking how WWE fucked things up by botching her return at the Warrior Rumble when she had so much buzz over her entrance, her afro in full effect, having this splashy and fancy offense, had a great showing, and then you kind of fumbled the ball and just let it all go to the wayside. Because when you trend on Twitter and you become a social media phenomenon, you go viral because you offer representation that is very hard to find in WWE, someone that looks like you, that presents black girl magic on a regular, and to see WWE bungle it, screw it up it's sad and my only critique on naomi is if we just drop the feel the glow stick during her promos and give us a three-dimensional personality then she would have the world as her oyster i truly believe that and she was the highlight of this segment and jay uso being a little biased because that's his sister-in-law gave her the win thanks to the crap reaction Lacey Evans was mad and apparently after being the military mom that stands up to hills and bullies she's back to being a bully going after the nasties and she attacked Naomi which led to Dana Brooke and Tamina getting involved which segues into a random ass match between Lacey Evans and Naomi they wrestled barefoot they had their regular clothes on and out their ring gear. It was a hot ass mess. And Lacey was healing on Tamina and Dana Brooke, which led to a melee in the ring, which drew a disqualification. This was a hot mess. And it just reminded me of the women's division of old from the mid 2000s, the late 2000s, when it was just there and there was little to no character development. And you got a two minute segment, which they got last night, and it was pointless. Now I will say the saving grace, of course, was Naomi who deserves so much more. I would love to see her tangle it up with Bailey and Sasha Banks, the battles they could have if she found a partner. Hey, Bianca Belair, what are you doing on Monday nights? Not much, can you come to SmackDown and help Naomi? I'm just saying, but, you know, at least I can take solace in the fact if this was 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, and so forth, up until pre-Women's Revolution, this karaoke segment could have easily been a summer bikini contest. So that shows the growth of WWE creative that we don't have to objectify our women's division for the male gaze, which is fantastic. But this segment was still the drizzling hot shits with the exception of Naomi trying to add some life and vibrance to the segment, which was dead on arrival. And now it is time for our main event segment, featuring the New Day defending the SmackDown Tag Team titles against Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. I love all four men. I love them. I adore them. But I'm not going to fairly critique this match because it ended via disqualification because they got charged with kicking too much ass and did not leave the ring accordingly as all four guys went at it towards the end of the show. 
and that was a lame ass finish. And after that, they continued to fight. Cesaro and Nakamura get the advantage on Big E and Kofi. And then Cesaro, like last week, introduces a table to the proceedings. And the next bright spot and the only bright spot on this match post-match that is, was Cesaro powerbombing Kofi on top of Big E through the table in a great spot that could have easily been saved for the horror show at Extreme Rules with Big E and Kofi presumably defending their tag team titles against Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro in a tables match. But we gave away that highlight reel and hopefully has something else bigger up their sleeve. This match will probably be made official over the weekend or next week heading into the pay-per-view next Sunday. And that's how the show ended. The worst episode of SmackDown in 2020 with a few bright spots mixed in to make me somewhat tolerate the show. This was an episode of SmackDown that felt as if it threw in the towel. It was 4th of July week. We're going to throw this show at the wall and we're just going to go to the fireworks show somewhere in the state of Florida and just kick back and relax and just be done with it. That's what it felt like to me. Smackdown from last week was much better than this presentation. And you can tell once again, it is very difficult for them to fill two hours when you had to throw back a match between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman for Money in the Bank for the Universal title from May. So when you're throwing back a pay-per-view match, you're still shorthanded due to the COVID-19 outbreak at the WWE Performance Center about four weeks ago. And a lot of people, a lot of core people that are usually on SmackDown were still missing last night. I'm not gonna name names. If you don't hear them, then you can speculate as you will. It could be COVID related. They could be asking for time off. And I pray for their health and welfare to get better real soon and get back to work when they feel comfortable to do so. But this felt like a patchwork show that was a struggle to put together, which is a shame. To see this show presented as it was on Fox, a network that's paying you a billion dollars over five years, it's a little embarrassing that this was on national broadcast television. If this is on like a USA from like three or four years ago on a random Thursday night before the move to Tuesdays to SmackDown Live during the brand split part due or my network TV or sci-fi, then okay, you can get away with this. But when you on a prestigious network like Fox, you don't half step and half ass. If you gotta go in the archives and stretch out a two hour show, then so be it to remind people what Extreme Rules is all about. It would have been better than what they did last night. Hell, I could have took Bailey and Sasha being on my screen for two hours and doing it up because they have the carte blanche to do that because they're that entertaining as a duo right now. They're carrying this show on their back as uneven the Universal Champion Braun Strowman is doing that. It's Bailey, it's Sasha, and it's Nikki Cross, and everyone else can just fall back at this point. And this was a SmackDown that I will like to forget very soon, and I'll probably forget about it as soon as I stop recording this episode because this was just bad. And after a bad number last week that was probably due to the 4th of July holiday, if they can sustain a decent viewership when the numbers come out by the time this episode drops, then good for them. But this was the worst show I've seen from WWE this year. And they need to be aware of this. Numbers, with the exception of NXT, Raw, SmackDown, hitting lows as of late. You're not creating the new stars you expected and you're impatient and nothing is clicking and working. Wednesday is actually the most competitive night 
for wrestling, which is good for the fandom. If everybody can stop tripping on demos and overall ratings, like everybody's winning, let's celebrate that fact that you got 1.5 million people watching wrestling on Wednesday nights and more so on DVR, on the WWE Network, or whatever you get your show via streaming and whatnot. Good on you for that. And WWE also has to consider when Major League Baseball starts back up at the end of the month, heading into August, the same thing for the NBA, those games are competing against SmackDown and your core demographics are gonna take a hit. So it's better to prepare now to get a good buffer than get set up for later when the crash and burn happens, which will happen if WWE doesn't plan ahead right now and they're trying to throw an Intercontinental Championship match between AJ Styles and Matt Riddle that I can predict that King Corbin is going to crash next week. Spoiler alert, I hate to say it, but it's true. That's going to probably delay this matchup into SummerSlam, but we shall see about that. But they have to really think about the competition that's coming if the COVID bubble does not burst in Florida for both Major League Baseball and the NBA towards the end of this month. It's going to affect everybody from AEW to NXT to WWE. It's going to hit hard when real sports with actual stakes is back in play. It's gonna get ugly, I'm afraid, and that's why you gotta build equity with your base now to make sure they have a reason to tune in, to give a fuck every week. And right now, it isn't a good look. And I know some people on social media that are diehard fans that are losing interest in wrestling. And it is a combination of the pandemic era, it's a combination of speaking out, and how it's draining to see some of the people that you admire and respect get caught up for doing incredibly dumb, stupid shit that you should never be doing in the first damn place. And that's just a culmination of things rolling into one snowball effect. And it's up to the industry to figure out what they can do to make it better for everyone and to get fans watching and most importantly, get new fans tuning in as well. That's the heartbeat of this industry. It's not people over 50. It's not people on the cusp of 50 or 49. It's about people 18 and 34, the kids that we once were that gravitated towards wrestling in the first place. Where is that energy gonna come from with or without fans? Who's gonna step up? AEW's trying, NXT, they're an aging product when it shouldn't be the case, when it's about the next generation. They got up their game as well. SmackDown, aging, raw, aging. You have to find a way to grab new fans. What's the secret sauce? We don't know. It's up to every promotion to figure that out, to create a brighter and better future for all. And last night's SmackDown was far from that, which is a damn shame. And on that somber note, this wraps up episode number 24 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows and mostly lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and at WrestleSubtopia on Instagram. They can find me promoting these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, recapping Monday Night Raw, AW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes on your favorite podcast directories, dating back to the Raw Verdict number one, which launched five and a half months ago, if you can believe it or not, as week 25 of WST is upon us, so you know what to do. Search Wrestle Subtopia 
on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon, Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning to celebrate week 25 of Russell's Utopia with episode number 25 of the Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, your Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.